we open on the docks of Waterdeep, the dark, stanky, poorly lit streets of the crime-riddled south side. The camera slowly pans up and we see the night sky. It swoops over the low shingled roofs of the dock ward, flying north along the high road. In the distance looms a statue uh, 15 stories tall, an elven woman wearing a suit of armor and holding a long sword above her head, the sword maiden, one of the walking statues of Waterdeep, and the symbol of the Sea Ward, the richest ward in the city. The camera swings down suddenly, weaving through the bustling nighttime streets of the Sea Ward. Carriages full of nobles off to a posh party, their drivers and guards eyeing the beggars who line the alleys and roads, hoping to scrounge up enough change for a meal. The camera halts in front of a large estate, separated from the organized chaos by an enormous wrought-iron fence and a lush, sprawling lawn, decorated with various hedges carefully crafted into the shapes of various animals. A stone path lit by floating blue lights leads the way from the fence to the massive, dark wooden doors. Carved across these two doors is a coat of arms bearing two lions on their hind legs, mirrored facing each other. A banner bearing the name at eye level written in large, elegant letters is carved into the door. This is the home of the Driscoll family, shipping magnates and some of the oldest money in Waterdeep. Standing outside the door, lighting another smoke, is a figure draped in a dark trench coat, wearing a slick suit and a fedora decorated with a thin black band of fabric. Detective Redemption draws deep on the rolled tobacco, not inhaling into their lungs because people didn't used to do that when tobacco leaves were dried and smoked. I've been taking a class on the history of the cigarette industry lately, and I don't feel comfortable <laughs> having a character who smokes so prominently without, without pointing out that they're not cigarettes by modern-day standards. They're essentially just rolled tobacco leaves that you don't inhale into your lungs. And you know what? It's fantasy, so it's not even tobacco. It's a, some other plant called Akabot, which smells like tobacco but isn't bad for you at all. So now that... <laughs> That's Are we whitewashing tobacco now? <laughs> uh, so, no, that's over. Uh, Detective Redemption takes a long, deep drag from their non-harmful smoke, looking down at the invitation in their hand. The wax seal bears the same coat of arms as the door in front of them, inviting the detective to the 35th birthday party of Jonathan Wellesley Eustace Driscoll III, the current head of the Driscoll shipping fortune. You don't have to write that down. Thank okay. you, Paul. <laughs> uh, an invitation came as a means of thanking redemption. Just last season, Driscoll hired the detective to find out who was sneaking past his guards and vandalizing the inside of his warehouse. We flash back to the night Redemption caught Mickey O'Toole, Driscoll's assistant. Redemption is holding a sword out to a prone Mickey O'Toole, a rough-and-tumble human in a newsy cap. It's over, Mickey. I know you're working for the Zeds. Damn you, Redemption. You're gonna pay for this someday. 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 But today wasn't that day. Today was a day for celebrating, and Redemption intended to do just that. As they step forward, the doors swing inward, revealing a great hall packed with Waterdeep's biggest names. But before Redemption can partake in the festivities, a gloved hand stops them. A butler points at the detective's smoke. I'm sorry, but there's no smoking in the Driscoll house. I will have to ask you to put that out. Get. Do you know who I am? Boom! Title card. Detective yeah. Redemption, colon, P.I. dash, The Waterdeep Files.
We cut back to a grumpy redemption moving slowly through the crowd of nobles. It is quickly apparent that they don't fit in, made most obvious by the looks of derision from those around the detective. But we soon hear a familiar voice cry out, Oh, detective, detective, over here! The camera swings around to the familiar sight of the blue-eyed Azamar, Arthur Wands, better known as Art, dressed to the nines in a stunning gold and white outfit. Art moves through the crowd, clutching his ruby-topped cane to his chest. Oh, thank goodness you're here. I got pulled into a conversation with my old principal, the man never shuts up. Good to see you too, Arthur. I was starting to think this party was all squares. We pan to a wide shot of Redemption, still wearing his dusty trench coat and fedora, standing next to Art, whose outfit cost more than Red's biggest payday on record. Yes, well, my my family is rather close with the Driscolls, so naturally we received an invitation. It was uh, decided that I would attend. Right, right, right. So, uh, did you see where the food was? We cut to Red and Art at an enormous buffet. Art is anxiously nibbling at a biscuit while Red <laughs> tears into a whole turkey leg. That's what Great I think turkey legs sound like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hate that. <laughs> Moving on. The detective... <laughs> the detective... <laughs> Mid-bite. Uh, looks to their left upon hearing a bit of a commotion. A servant seems to have stopped someone, and that someone isn't happy about it. You want to see what I did to the last guy who told me to leave my swords at the door? Because he's over there, pal. Redemption, mouthful of turkey, intervenes clumsily on behalf of his friend, Calico Jane, former scourge of the seas and current taker of no guff. Hey, Red, how'd you manage to get in here? You got something on the family? No, Jane, not everyone I know is someone I have dirt on. It's like a 60-40 split. What are you even doing here, Jane? I've run some jobs for Driscoll in the past, and in doing those missions, I got some dirt on him. So now I get to come to his swanky parties. <laughs> the three together dominate that corner of the buffet table. Most people are frightened by Jane's casual wear, which for Jane is a breastplate jeans and her two swords, while others would rather avoid the detective, perhaps thinking that Red is there to investigate their wrongdoings. Art is glad to finally be left alone at a function mandated by his overbearing parents and nibbles a little less anxiously. <laughs> the night continues on as most of these parties do. Champagne fountains, magicians conjuring flamingos out of thin air, those flamingos then becoming champagne fountains, the existential dread of creating life only to have it dispense <laughs> refreshments, and the sudden realization that you are very drunk on champagne. And of course, the introduction of the host. Jonathan Wellesley Eustace Driscoll III is a tall, broad-shouldered half-elf, with a bright smile and a lavish outfit. Do you have to write that one down? No, it's the same name. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, that okay. was the first name that oh, I said you don't have to write one, down. Same this is the same guy. You still don't have to write it down. There was too many names in it, I couldn't remember all of them. This is the guy. Oh god, well I feel like that I do definitely you have don't. to write You don't, I'm telling name. you you don't. You need his. He's call him Driscoll. That's all you need to know. Driscoll. He's gonna die in two seconds, isn't he? Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> Don't spoil it. No spoilies. <laughs> Jonathan Wellesley, useless. Fuck. Useless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jonathan Wellesley Eustace Driscoll III, <laughs> nailed it, is a tall, broad-shouldered half-elf with a bright smile and a lavish outfit. The room explodes with applause as he walks down the stairs, slowly making his way through the crowd as he greets his various guests. Much to Redemption's surprise, Driscoll makes a beeline for the detective, arriving within moments. Oh, detective, so glad you could make it. And Arthur Wands, what an unexpected surprise. And, uh... 
Miss Jane, a pleasure as always. Uh, his words are almost obscured by the overwhelming stench of his cologne. It is pungent. You see some people kind of like turning their faces away and their eyes watering a little bit as they force themselves to be around this smell. It's best you've all found each other already. I was hoping to meet you all for a more intimate party in my private dining room, and I wanted to invite the three of you. Hot. Uh, my butler, Malcolm, and he gestures to his right, and there's sort of an older, uh, taller human standing there in a butler's outfit with a pencil-thin mustache, uh, who sort of gives a small bow. Uh, he, he'll show you the way. I'm just off to invite the other guests to our, <laughs> our little party. And with that, he turns and smiles and starts uh, talking to other people in the crowd. Malcolm steps forward and says, If you'll follow me, then I will take you to the Sir's dining chambers. Will that be Sir Jonathan Wellesley Eustace Driscoll III? Just like a little fist pump. <laughs> yes, right quite. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so with that, Malcolm takes you down uh, a side hallway into an enormous dining room, almost as ostentatious as the main hall, perhaps even more so, because on the far wall facing the door is this enormous 40-foot-long painting that just depicts this huge, you assume what is like the history of the Driscoll family. In the middle of the room is this huge, beautiful mahogany table. On the far side, under the painting, is what could be described as like a plush velvet throne, clearly the seat for the head of the house, while the other three sides each have three chairs on them. And Malcolm bows and says, I will return shortly with the other guests. And uh, closes the door behind him. Well, this place is swanky as fuck. How many things can we steal? All of them? You can. <laughs> do you want to steal some shit? Sure. I'm not talking to you, God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Art, how many things are you allowed to steal of these things? Um, well, th- I, I, th- I, that depends on a few. Um, that depends. It depends. <laughs> Jane just pulls up the nearest chair. Definitely sticks her feet on a table and leans the chair back so it's on two legs. Nice. Jane is definitely the first person to ever put her feet on this oh, table. Decidedly. I, I, I see it happen and I go... <laughs> Tighten my grip on my cane. The door, uh, the only door into the room opens and in walks Malcolm followed by an older human. He seems to be wearing this sort of brownish yellow military uniform with just like dozens of medals on his chest no Ian, he has this Ian, fuck off no we're not doing this Ian. white haircut and this big bushy white mustache and malcolm you. says uh introducing uh general dijon of neverwinter and malcolm bows and exits the room <laughs> I wow. metric hate you, and I metric despise you. Don't one of six. One of six. This is only one of six. I love this. This is great. This is my favorite uh, thing. He, he, he leans on a, an old wooden cane as he walks towards you and says, uh, General Dijon of the Neverwinter Army at your service. A pleasure, I'm sure you've uh, heard of my many (laughs) victories in the past, of course. I was survivor of the Battle of Four Armies. I survived the raid on Cobble's Knot. And of course, my most famous outing, uh, the victory at Jehoshaphat Field. I think at this point, I've sat on the floor. I'm just like leaning my head against Jane's (laughs) leg and going, why me? Why is it always me? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I've, ne- I've never had anyone sit down when I entered the room before. How uncouth. Jane just gently starts stroking <laughs> Detective Redemption's head. <laughs> Mr. Wands, a pleasure to see you. I don't know if you remember me, but I was uh, close friends with your parents when you were m- much younger. And you do kind of remember this guy as like a very intimidating and weird old man. Oh, uh, uh, yes, of course. I feel like I have a cousin who's very interested in military history or... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Your cousin, uh, Jamie. My cousin has talked about you um, extensively uh, as he tells me all about his his writings in the field of military history. Ah, yes. uh, He sort of adjusts his uniform and and straightens up a bit and says, yes, there are are many stories of my uh, accomplishments. Let me tell you the story of Jehoshaphat Field, young man. I'm a good bitch. Jane starts rubbing (laughs) Detective Bribbedenton's back. It's okay, boss. It's okay. He is blissfully interrupted by the door opening once more. Uh, Malcolm walks in with uh, another older human, uh, a woman this time, wearing an elegant blue and silver dress and a gaudy, enormous blue boa. She says, Oh, General Dijon, a pleasure as always! And strides toward him, planting a big kiss on each of his cheeks. Oh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, I am Countess Peafowl, but I'm sure you already knew that, of course. Christ, I... Countess Peafowl? <laughs> yes! <laughs> of the Waterdeep Peafowls. Oh, my God. Some of the oldest money in Waterdeep. I'm sure you know. Oh. Art, you've definitely heard of the, the Peafowls. They are like one of the oldest families in, in Waterdeep. Very rich. Oh, I, 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 of course, of course. I, I think I, I went to one of your garden parties. Oh, yes, my garden parties, darling. They're legendary. <laughs> Jane shifts her weight and rolls her eyes. <laughs> Ain't no party like a Peafowl garden party. That's the old that saying. Is, that is the saying, yes. <laughs> I look up at Jane. Jane, please, I beg of you, take me up in your big, strong arms and get us the fuck out of here. I can't. I would like nothing more. As Jane stands up, the door opens again. Malcolm uh, is followed in this time by a gnome with slicked back black hair with gray streaks in it. He has a, a mustache with the tips curled up at the end, and uh, he's wearing this uh, these sort of flowy purple robes. And Malcolm says, uh, introducing Principal Periwinkle, and bows and leaves. Uh, Arthur, this is your old principal from college. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> and he, he smiles upon seeing you and says, Ah, Arthur, pleasure as always. Uh, now we can continue our conversation on the teachings of uh, Essos and its effect on the arcade weave vis-a-vis uh, Elderberry's uh, third law of arcodynamics. Oh, I, I, I... Oh, uh, oh, hello, Countess. Uh, hello, hello, General. Uh, a, a pleasure as always. <laughs> And he, he gives a, a he short turns bow. And bells, as he turns and bows at one person, I, like, slide into having a conversation with someone else while his back is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, unrelenting, he walks up to Redemption and says, I don't believe we've had the pleasure. Principal Periwinkle, principal of the most prestigious college in Waterdeep, the College of Waterdeep. <laughs> he extends a hand to you. I just shake his hand and I'm like, do you want to know a fun fact about principles? I would always love to learn fun facts. I'm full of fun facts. That's my middle name, Principal Fun Facts Periwinkle. I'm just kidding, that's not my middle name. The door opens again, and uh, in walks Malcolm. Behind him this time is a half-elf woman with bright blonde hair pulled back into a bun. She seems to be wearing very simple black and white robes, and you see that she has a holy symbol around her neck in the shape of a coin with a face 
face on it. And Malcolm introduces her as a Sister Ivory, honored guest from the Church of Wauqueen. And she, she gives a little bow and says, Yes, hello. Uh, I, I am Sister Ivory. Uh, Mr. Driscoll is always kind enough to invite a delegation from his church, and I was lucky enough to be chosen this time. And the Countess walks up to her and says, Oh, darling, you simply must tell me all about the church. I considered joining a convent when I was younger, but my father simply would not allow it. <laughs> Jane's had enough. She's making a beeline for the door. Jane, no, please. <laughs> Come on, Chief, let's I need go. you. Jane, we need, the, we need money. We can gouge these rich assholes, please. Jane's. Jane stops, like, on a dime and spins on her heel and goes back. The door opens again. Malcolm walks in, this time flanked by a very tall wood elf in this dull green suit of armor. On his chest is just the symbol of a tree. Uh, if you ever played Magic the Gathering, it looks like a forest mana on his armor, <laughs> that's essentially. <laughs> that's immediately why, that is immediately what I imagined. He also has a sword uh, on his side, although it is peace-bound, so it has, like, rope tied around it as sort of a symbolic gesture that he's not, like, going to draw it while he's at the party. Uh, it's what polite people do. Um... <laughs> God's heavy side eyes, Jane. <laughs> Malcolm bows and says, Introducing Sir Verdant of the Verdant Fields. And uh, he just sort of looks around very seriously and says, A pleasure. And goes and takes a seat at the table without saying another word. I like this one. Oh, he did it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's been done, but he did it. <laughs> the conversations continue on as the door enters, and door a woman enters. in an elegant red dress with sort of grayish skin and bright red hair enters the room. Malcolm bows once more and says, uh, Introducing Madam Ruby, councilwoman for Waterdeep, and leaves the room. You actually all know who she is. She's like an up-and-coming politician in Waterdeep. She's been kind of infamous for her, her recent campaigns where she has without fail dug up dirt on her opponents that has like ruined their careers. Ruby actually comes in and immediately uh, greets the Countess and then moves on to greet the General and then actually goes up to Arthur and she says, Ah, Arthur Wands, I didn't uh, expect to see you here. I'd heard you generally avoided these things. That is absolutely correct, but um, I have been selected. <laughs> well, I sure hope I can count on your family's support in my next election. I'm I'm up for re-election quite soon, and having the Wand family behind me would mean quite a lot. And she pulls out a business card seemingly from out of nowhere and just hands it to you. She says, please, keep me in mind this election season. I can't, I can't speak for... The, uh, well, I... Uh, thank you. <laughs> she smiles and nods and goes and uh, takes a seat at the table. Everyone eventually takes a seat, sort of on each side of the table, as Malcolm walks in one more time, uh, this time with Driscoll in tow, uh, and the room is immediately filled with, like, the smell of his deodorant. And he says, please, please, everyone have a seat. No need to stand on my account. Uh, Malcolm, if you will, uh, we require some privacy. And Malcolm bows uh, and closes the door behind him. Driscoll gestures to the chairs and everyone has a seat. The three of you are sort of on the side that's facing him, while the other six guests are on the other two sides. You might say, <gasps> it looks a little something like... Fancy schmancy. <laughs> Just uh, just for our listening audience, we've got a four-sided table, as a lot of tables are yeah. like to do and be. We got Driscoll at one end. We've got, uh, as it says in our little panels, you three dorks <laughs> at the other side. 
from Driscoll's <laughs> left up goes Dijon, Ivory, and Periwinkle, and from his right up is Ruby, Verdant, and Peafowl. So uh, everyone sits down. Uh, Driscoll sort of pulls his chair up to the table, and he leans in, tenting his fingers and taking a moment to look at each of his guests. Everyone is is silent for a moment as this tension fills the air. He, he makes eye contact with each of you and, and smiles a little bit before saying, um, I assume you all know why I brought you here. You are all, in one way or another, indebted to me. Except for you and your friends, detective. You're here because I am in need of, uh, witnesses. Driscoll slowly rises to his feet, locking eyes with Detective Redemption. The screen splits that we see Driscoll's eyes on the left, cold and gray, and Red's eyes, two obsidian orbs. You see, Detective, someone in this room is trying to kill me. And it's up to you to find out who that is. Immediately, the room is plunged into darkness. Peafowl screams and there is a commotion everywhere. A cacophony of noises erupts and anyone with dark vision quickly realizes that this is not natural darkness as you cannot see through it. What do you do? Part of me wants to steal things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I think Redemption doesn't like that, that they're in the dark and can't see anything and I think it might be screaming a little bit too. <laughs> Okay. Jane has jumped onto her chair and both swords are drawn. Yeah, no, I was just wondering if, like, magical light was maybe different to... I don't think so. Yeah, I don't have anything. Come scream uh, with I me. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I also scream. P-Fowl goes, ah! And I go, <laughs> After about a minute or so of fumbling around in the dark, it fades, and you are once again back in this room. Everyone is still either seated or standing near their chair, but P-Fowl is the first to notice that Driscoll is lying on the table dead bum, 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 bum. <laughs> commercial break <laughs> Hey there, nerds, and welcome to the middle of the podcast break chat. You're with Ismay this time. Sorry, we've now got Ian editing this one. He's hard at work, uh, and I'm also hard at work, but I'm hard at work doing this, you know? So hope you're enjoying this second episode of Detective Redemption. I'm not gonna lie, I love it whenever we do this. This one was ridiculous, and I am so happy. Thanks again to Ian, who stepped in. Uh, as we say, like, these Redemption episodes will come up every so often because our schedules are pretty buck wild. We got two of us in Britain, we got three well two in america one in canada uh all a weird time zone so it's we've all got jobs and stuff so it's kind of difficult for us to find times so anytime that we are not fully able to give you a big old half damage episode we're gonna slip into these redemption ones which i hope that you love as much as i do but with any luck next week we'll be back with the normal half damage episodes and you'll get back to barovia baby but let's get into the real shit as you should know by now we are a crit chat production we met on crit chat which is a DD and comedy advice podcast if you want to go and listen to that, which you should, uh, you should go over to anywhere that you find podcasts. So if you found this Ding Dang podcast, you can find Crit Chat as well. We share all of our social media with Crit Chat, so if you want to find us, then you can go over to facebook.com forward slash Crit Chat, all one word, on twitter.com forward slash Crit underscore chat, or on our Discord, where a link to that is in the description of wherever you're listening to this. We don't pay to advertise this anywhere, and so the only way that people will come and listen is if you do the whole word of mouth thing. Tell them how much you love this Ding Dang 
morning show. Tell them how much the, the fun little interludes are. Uh, and hopefully we get more people on this good old hype train. Honestly, I just want to talk to more people about half damage. I love it and I want them all to all love it too. So let's let's get the hype train rolling. Tell people to listen to our beautiful, beautiful podcast and you will have our eternal gratitude. Uh, another thing we will give you our eternal gratitude for is if you hop over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash crit chat, all one word. Uh, you can give as little as a dollar a month and it really, really helps us out. Uh, we've been able to get some really cool things in the past. I've been able to get our get our half damage cover art all fancy and schmancy and new. We've also been able to help people buy some little things to help their recording experience. Um, we'd like to continue to do that more in the future. So you get a lot of different rewards, a lot of different levels if you hope, hop over to our Patreon. You also get a lot of really cool behind the scenes content and games run by Alfred. It's just a good time. Head over there. If you want to be more involved in the half damage show and the half damage world, you can also send fan mail to your favorite characters. Probably not on Redemption. It's not that kind of show. But if you want to send things to the half damage crew, then you can send fan mail to them at critchatpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. You get to write in pretending that you're a fan of the curse of Strahd in the world that we have made. You can send your fan mail to one of the heroes or all of them as a group or any of the NPCs. I don't really give a shit. And they will be read out by that person on the show. We've done a lot before in the past and it's our favorite thing in the world. So please, please, please go and send us some fan mail. Tell those characters how much you love them and how much you appreciate their good, good antics. Anyway, that is it for now. I will let you get back to the episode. Can you figure out who done it? We cut back to that exact scene. <laughs> Uh, Jane is standing on her chair with both swords drawn. Everyone is a little flustered. Uh, Verdant stands up immediately and says, My lord, he's been murdered. <laughs> I think that was his voice. <laughs> Ruby stands up immediately and says, Nobody move. Someone in this room has just killed Jonathan Wellesley Eustace, Eustace Driscoll III. Yes. <laughs> she, she's like looking at her hand as she says that. She clearly has her hand. Everybody has it written somewhere on their arm, their fingers, their hand. Oh, uh, that's funny. My like fingers up in the air and I'm like, all right, well, I think that was my line, but okay, sure. <laughs> well, I beat you to it, detective. Okay, okay. We were, we're a little mouthy for one of the suspects in the room. Settle down now. What makes you think you're not a suspect? Your friend is standing on the, her chair with her swords out. I don't see anyone else with weapons. Well, while all of you are just gabbing, I'm going to actually walk over there and check whether or not he's actually dead, okay? If you don't mind. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna walk around everyone and I'm going to try okay. casting Spare the Dying. Um, yeah, you, you place your hand on his back and try to do it and like the magic doesn't even go into it. This is like, this is a corpse already. The general will lean forward because he's standing right there and, and check his pulse and say, oh, I'm afraid he's did. Okay, let's touch it of the body, buddy boy. Let's get back there. Why? It's not like fingerprints are a thing in this world. It's <laughs> fantasy. I'm not talking fingerprints, buddy. I'm talking taking evidence, leaving evidence. I don't know what the state of affairs is here, but everyone's gonna sit their asses down on their seats and not touch a goddamn thing until I get to you, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna take that as, uh, yes, my lord, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits down. Alrighty, Rue. Well, first and foremost, this 
is the beautiful Jane. Jane has two very amazing swords. If we're gonna get all persnickety about listening to the rules, and when we don't listen to the rules, Jane is gonna have a good night. Jane immediately has a big dope-eating grin, sheaths both swords, (laughs) sits down and crosses her arms. (laughs) Now, we're gonna go about this in a nice methodical manner. First, I'm gonna have a little conference with my two comrades over here. Don't talk amongst yourselves, okay, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Most of them all to, like, part of the room is like... Okay, there's a lot going on here. We got one dead man and a lot of very suspicious and boring people in one room. Boring? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? I spent a very long time crafting these people with (laughs) thesaurus.com. I think first and foremost, we have to figure out how this chucklefuck did a die. Like, we, for, first and foremost, we also have to rule out that Jane did it because we are right. She does have two very cool radical swords. Not covered in blood. I check them to see if they're covered in blood. I assume they are not covered in blood. Yeah, I haven't had that much fun today. Okay, that's all I need. Next. <laughs> Figure out how he actually did a die. As like a subplot to that, while we're figuring that out, I need to know what cologne he's wearing because it's terrible and I need to never get that shit. I think your taste is better than that. You're going to be fine. I would not taste it either, I don't think. <laughs> there isn't, uh, is, is, is there an obvious cause of death that we haven't noticed yet? He doesn't have a dagger sticking out of his back or something. There's not like a trident sticking out of his <laughs> brain not, and we're no, just like, yeah, there's oh, no... we have to figure this out. <laughs> you, yeah, you did go up and look at the body. There was no obvious cause of death looking at him. <laughs> just... Okay. Like there was no dagger sticking out of his back. His head wasn't like cut off. Yeah. Let's um, investigate the body, detective. All right. As you're walking back to the table, you see they have not been following the no talking rule. <laughs> and Verdant uh, stands up and slams his hands down on the table and says, how dare you accuse me? I am a paladin of the ancients. I would never do such a thing. And the general is like, well, you seem to be the only one with any kind of weapon in this room. And since it wasn't Miss Jane over there, it must have clearly been you. Detective, arrest this man. No, that's not how it works. What are you talking about? I'm also not a police officer. <laughs> Why do you call yourself a detective? I'm like one of those like renegade cool ones. You no, know? oh, like Neverwinter would never allow this. He sits back down. Well, why don't we all have a look at any kind of... Look, everyone just wait, and we're going to have a little look around. Anyone who wants to can make an investigation check. Radical. I know that there is a no-smoking rule in this place, um, but Driscoll's dead, so fuck him. I think there's also a no-murder <laughs> rule, so uh, yeah, we're so just playing, we're playing Calvin, Calvin Ball right, right now. This is fair. <laughs> I'm gonna light up my smokes, baby. Go ahead and get advantage on that, because of your magic pack of smokes. You're a doof. 25 total. Everything like slows down as Redemption like analyzes this scene piece by piece. So the first thing you notice, uh, because you were looking at it so intently, is there is a hole in the painting behind him that looks to be a little over your head in height. You also see there's been a hole punched in the back of the chair. It's not a very big one, but uh, you can see that like someone stabbed something through the back of this chair and then pulled it out. There's like a little bit of stuffing and velvet that's sort of fallen off of it. On the back of Driscoll, you do see a blood stain on his coat that was difficult to notice because he was wearing a, a dark coat. There is a scorch mark around the hole in the chair, uh, sort of a big scorch mark that looks like something flaming hit it or it was set on fire. With Jane's love of 
sharp objects? Can she tell what size or what type of thing has gone through the chair and through Driscoll? Give me an investigation check with advantage, because yeah, you've got a history of stabbing. (laughs) I I quite like stabbing. (laughs) It's an eight. Um, You can tell it was a bladed weapon, but you can't tell what size it was. Well, this guy was stabbed, all right. Uh, Art, can you uh, make with the magicies and uh, see if there's any magicies? I can, I have, yes, I I go, and my my eyes change color and I will look for magic. Okay, there are a few magical auras in the room that are all sort of intermingled with each other. So give me a uh, arcana check to see if you can sort of sort through them. Uh, That's a 22. Uh, So all around the room, there is a light evocation aura, likely from the darkness spell. On the back of the chair is also an evocation aura, different from the one in the rest of the room. So someone like the the scorch mark is likely caused by some kind of evocation spell. And because you rolled so high, you actually see a much smaller, more concentrated aura coming from underneath Driscoll's body. But you can't tell what it is with his body on top of it. Uh, Jane, would you uh, uh, give me a hand? I thought we weren't supposed to move. Move the body! You're not allowed to move the body! Sit down! No talking uh, to down! I'm already sitting! I thought you were fainting! <laughs> no, I simply caught the vapors! <laughs> Get the vapors again! Goddamn! Oh my! <laughs> Jane goes to move the body. You you roll the body over pretty easily. You can see the aura is sort of coming from under his shirt. Let's strip this boy. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Apparently, this is this is what art is brought along. Oh for. my! This is <laughs> I'm never. You see an amulet around his neck. This like bent piece of obsidian with a light necromancy aura. I only I only touch it with the tip of my cane. Nothing happens when you poke it, and like what. Whatever magic was on this is fading quickly. Can I see if this is related to a specific order or if, it, if I know what kind of usage? You make another arcana check, yeah. A uh, 17. You know, stuff like this is sometimes used as like a focus or a material component. I'm going to say just because of your education, you're not really well versed in necromancy. Was it kind of like right in front of the puncture mark? Like, did the puncture go like right the way through? There is no wound on his chest. Mm, okay, so it was just in the back. Uh, you go to check his back. Uh-huh. There is no wound on his back. God. Just a blood stain. Frickle frack it, my dudes. <laughs> I mean, I know exactly what's happened to you. Don't question me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said that there was like a hole in the um the painting. Yeah. Can I peek through the hole and like fucking, I don't yeah. give a shit, like rip it open. <laughs> I was going to say, no matter how delicately you try to do it, you rip the painting. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> just do it on purpose. Wedged into the wall is a crossbow bolt. We're going to like beautiful minds this and like run around. You know what? Yeah. Give me, give me another investigation check actually. 22. You essentially point at the crossbow and sort of trace it back from like the angle it's in the wall to the chair. And you realize this bolt would have had to go through the hole in the chair to yeah. hit where it hit in the wall. Is there a way that I can triangulate like where it came from, where it's like point of it origin was, is? It was shot from the right side of the table. So the side that has Dijon, Ivory, and Periwinkle on it. Jane, can you do me a beautiful solid and, uh, you know, woman handle these ones to see if any of them have got a nice little crossbow on them? Jane raises her eyebrow with pleasure. (laughs) Give me an investigation check, Jane. Oh boy, rolled the one. Ooh, <laughs> um, Jane quickly pats these people down. You you pat down the general and he doesn't seem to have anything. You sort of awkwardly pat down the sister. 
and she doesn't seem to have anything on her either. And then Periwinkle's like, I should let you know, I do, uh, I do have my arcane focus on me as always. And he pulls an orb out of his pocket and puts it on the table. You're still getting patted, you weirdo. I know, I just, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to be honest with you and tell you what I had on me. Love honesty, love no crossbows more. Uh, Jane pats him down and doesn't find a crossbow. Chief, there's no crossbows here. I think it's good and bad news because I don't think that the person who shot the crossbow actually killed this idiot. So what do you think the crossbow was for? I think it was trying to kill the idiot. From where he like landed on the table is the hole that the thing made over him. So like if someone shot, it would have gone over the top of the body. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Radical. Like for the crossbow bolt to have hit the wall, it would have had to go through the hole. Yeah. If he were sitting up in the chair, the hole would be at like chest height to him. So whoever tried to shoot this idiot didn't because asshole was already dead. How angry did this guy make these people? Jane, this is why I like you. Always asking the good questions. Friends, what did this shithead do to make all of you so murderous? For the first time all night, they are all quiet. Jane sweeps the table, looking at everyone and goes, Well, that was more helpful than I thought it would be. Well, I, I, I would certainly have no reason to, to kill Mr. Driscoll. He and uh, his family and mine have been friends for very many years. I mean, surely, surely you wanted to spice things up. <laughs> so, um, Ge- Ge- General Dijon, uh, do you, do you, I, I'm sure you know um, him and his, uh, his life and his dealings with the other people here at this table. Do you have any, why would anyone else here want to end his life? He raises an eyebrow and says, well... Miss Peafowl is well known in the Waterdeep nobility as something of a, a black widow. What is it? You are on your seventh husband now? She goes, Well, I never! <laughs> Perhaps Mr. Driscoll has some evidence that she is truly a, a, a serial murderer. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there's literally nothing that you can think of. Maybe little problems that you might have had with the man? No, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> you don't even have to roll an insight check to know that he is clearly hiding something. Make a perception check, though. Ooh, okay. 16. You notice as you're sort of staring him down, he's sort of thumbing his cane very nervously. And as you sort of look at it, it strikes you as odd that he would need a cane. And as your eyes, like, enhance, 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 you see this little fold in the wood around the handle of the cane. Jane, I need a new walking stick these days. You mind? (laughs) What? With pleasure. It doesn't take, like, any effort to rip it out of his hands. And as soon as Jane picks it up, you realize, like, oh, this is way heavier than a cane should be. And you've definitely handled a sword cane before, so you're easily <laughs> able to flip it open and draw the blade. Can Jane just spin it and go, nice blade? <laughs> it, it is actually, like, a really nice blade. Oh, well, uh, a man has a, a right to bear arms in this city, doesn't he? Well, of course. So I'm guessing guessing there is no blood on the blade? There is no blood on the blade. Can I slot it into the hole? Yes, it fits the <laughs> hole on the back of the chair perfectly. <laughs> well, maybe we take another pass at why we might be a little bit mad at old dead fuck over here. Okay, okay. Oh, oh very well, I admit. I, I attempted to kill Mr. Driscoll, but as I stood and drew my blade and stabbed it, I found only his chair, so I'm not guilty of anything. Except attempted murder. Except what he's blackmailing me for. Oh, I do want to know what he's blackmailing you for. Hey, hey, what, what's he blackmailing you for? Hey. 
Hey. Ruby leans in from across the table and says, So the rumors of your war profiteering are true then? And he goes, oh, Exaggerated, I'm sure, but yes, it's a little true. Radical. But I didn't kill the man. I'm a war profiteer, not a murderer. <laughs> oh, Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> the voice is very apt for a lot of reasons. It's funny if you can see into the multiverse. Next! <laughs> I guess next is Ivory. She looks very nervous. I would have no reason to kill him. He's a patron of, of my church. He he donates large sums of gold to us every year. I'd like to kind of raise the necromantic thing. He doesn't seem to be a particularly devout. Perhaps that bothered you? I don't know what that is. I, I assure you. I I came here as a guest and he asked me into this room. I I, I I promise you, I don't know what that thing is around his neck. Can I incite that? Sure. <laughs> That's a 10. Yeah, it's you believe her. Oh. The principal speaks up and says, I can confirm that that indeed is not any kind of holy symbol that I've seen before. What about the shut up until it's your turn rule? Do you not understand? <laughs> I just wanted to corroborate her story. <laughs> Jeez, I thought we'd want all the facts. Can I, can, uh, can I, before you pipe down, um, uh, uh, do you know what, what this what this symbol is specifically? He, he takes out a pair of glasses, like the pince-nez glasses, and like puts them on. And uh, Well, my estimation is that it's some kind of spell focus. Um, uh-huh. Obviously necromantic in origin, but I, I can't exactly tell what kind of spell was cast on it anymore. It's been, it's been too long since the magic began to fade. When, when you say, like, spell focus, do you mean, like, used for doing spells, or a spell was put upon it? A, a spell was put upon it, yes. Okay. Oh, well, look who wants me to talk now. Look who's got a lot of sass for a maybe murderer, okay? Shush, shush. <laughs> it's time to sit down now again. <laughs> uh, so you turn your attention back to the sister. Yeah. God, Ismay is not a religious person, but I think even I draw the line and doing like a yeah, just like whipping her nun habit off to see if she's like 100% like kitted out and like explosives and shit under there. Explosives? Oh, she's just wearing an explosive vest? Like what? what? It's more more like grenades and stuff. Jesus. I think Jane just walks a little bit closer. Okay, so he gave lots of money to the church. Did he actually ever come? Well, yes, I believe he was there uh, every, our version of Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I vote we move to somebody else. Yeah, You're very smart, Jane. Next, Periwinkle. So, what's your beef? I, I don't, I mean, okay, I guess there's no point pretending I don't have beef with him. I... I'm I'm the one who threw a fire spell uh-huh. at him, but apparently he was already dead by the time I tossed it out. He he knows I've been taking bribes from the nobility of Waterdeep to get their kids through college. Art here is actually one of our few legitimate graduates. Oh my god. Oh, so worried for a second. <laughs> oh, Art, you know what? For a hot second. I mean, his parents still paid me like a lot of money, but it was completely unnecessary. I only took it because the, it, I like money. <laughs> Being a principal doesn't pay a lot, okay? <laughs> I don't trust you at all. Next! We have a headmaster. I'm completely useless. No, the dead guy is Eustace. Hey! Another ad break? Another ad break? Another ad break? <laughs> yeah, another ad break, I was gonna say. <laughs> Quickly, uh, what about the darkness spell? Was that was that you? Oh, that wasn't, no, that wasn't me. Guess we move around to P-Fowl? Oh, I assure oh, you, I had nothing to do with these foul acts. Can we, uh, can we... <laughs> 
Jane pinches the bridge of her nose. <laughs> Little insight on, on this one? Sure. Uh, it's not natural 20. As you're sort of analyzing her face, it keeps being obscured by this enormous feather boa. And you see in the blue sticking out are these little tufts of white and purple, like the stuffing and the velvet on the back what? of Driscoll's chair. Jane, I feel in the need of a delightful feather boa to be draped around my person if you would do the honors. Jane walks up to Peafowl, makes eye contact with her, <laughs> puts her hand behind her, grabs one of the swords. Peafowl just hands it over. <laughs> Oh, take it, you brute! <laughs> yeah, as you as you pick it up, some of the velvet and stuffing kind of flutters to the ground. She says, oh, how did that get there? I'm going to vigorously shake it and get all of it onto the floor. <laughs> Stuff just like a piano falls out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Planted, eh? Yeah. And I'm just going to hand, uh, hand redemption the boa. I do want to drape it around my neck. <laughs> Looks very good on you. V- very, very well. <laughs> Since we're all admitting things, yeah. I attempted to strangle Mr. Driscoll, but by the time I got behind his chair, no one was there, so I simply got the chair all tangled up in my boa. <laughs> you are not destined for this life. I, okay. I admit, I did kill my last husband, but who's in self-defense? No one would believe me, since so many of my husbands have died in mysterious circumstances. Driscoll knew this, and he was blackmailing me, so I decided to kill him. I can't figure out whether Jane would love every bit of this, or absolutely hate her. It's a thin line between love and hate. I, okay, well... I'm going to keep this boa. If you ever need me, it, which it sounds like you will, my name is Redemption. Yes, I'm aware. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's just Thank a, you. Look, it's a word of mouth kind of thing if yes, I don't do move, it. Let's move on now. Okay. <laughs> my part's done. You guys are on verdant now. He's just sitting like very, very quietly. Hey, buddy. Yes. Why did you hate him? I won't attempt to hide oh, it. sick. Driscoll has been cutting down my family's forest for over a decade now. We have attempted to parlay with him, but he will not listen. I was sent here as a means to put an end to all of this. I stood up, I drew my sword, and I killed him. And he pulls out his sword and lays it on the table, and there is blood on his blade. I look towards Art, I'm like... Hey, Art, did I drink a lot? Is there is there like a big old cut on this man's back that I just didn't, I super didn't see? Uh, no, 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 detective, there's uh, no okay. visible wound. It, no it, visible wound? Seem. Okay, cool. There is a blood stain on his back. There are no wounds. I don't know where all this blood came from, my dude, but it is not from this man. Does Ruby have any yeah. blood marks on her yeah. red clothing? Make a perception yeah. check with advantage. <laughs> Thirteen. Can I grab Ruby by the shoulders and, like, start turning her around? <laughs> okay, Jane, like, hauls Ruby to her feet, which gives Redemption a chance to, to look. 19. You thought she just had her arms crossed, but as she stands, you realize she is shielding one of her arms with the other. Do you want to make me make Jane make you move your arm, or could you just do it on, on your own so I don't have to do that? Well, fine, since we're all telling the truth or whatever. <laughs> And she holds her arm out, and there is, like, a deep cut in her arm, and some blood, like, drips onto the table. Oh, no, please, please cover it up again. I went to strangle Mr. Driscoll, and someone cut my bloody arm, and she just glares at Verdant. Jane likes Verdant a lot. (laughs) Also, if anyone has some band-aids or something... (laughs) 
Um, wait, let's see. I just need to have a check here. Yes, no, uh, Detective vs. Redemption is, in fact, not profession in medicine, so we'll just get the feather boa and put it on. Wrap that around. Oh, gosh, please. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh you're Ruby. Oh. No, it's fine. <laughs> Ruby looks at Redemption and says, well, you figured it out, Detective. None of us killed him. Now what? Jane slowly turns back to Ivory. <laughs> yeah, every, I think everyone slow turns to look at her. And she's just like sitting very straight with her arms, like her hands folded in her lap. Deary, where's the where's the crossbow? Point to where the crossbow is. All right, you there caught me. <laughs> and she, she like reaches under her robes and pulls out this hand crossbow she had strapped to her leg. My name ain't really Sister Ivory. Right. It's Lady Ivory, Scourge of the Dark Ward. And she pulls her bun out and lets her hair fall. And Redemption, you realize you recognize her. You've had a few run-ins with Lady Ivory in the Dark Ward. Uh-huh. I guess since we're all admitting stuff, yeah, I tried to kill him. But uh, I mean, as you can see, I didn't. So, and she just like throws the crossbow on the table. Whatever. Where'd you say something earlier? Look at you. Oh, it's been so long. The DM was very evasive about how we know each other, but you know. I don't know. Like, she, she's like the Catwoman to your Batman. Like, you're kind of friends, but kind of not. Okay, well, apparently, apparently I just get like 500 times more flirty if that's the case. <laughs> like, oh, hey. Later, Red, we got stuff to deal with here. You got six attempted murderers and no one who actually done did it. Jane's gonna slowly turn to Art. Hey, Art, is he dead, dead, dead? I think that he's been dead, dead, dead for a lot longer than we might think. <laughs> Everyone gasps. <gasps> what are you saying, Detective? Yes, that's quite uh, quite the unusual theory. Oh my, he was a corpse the whole time! <laughs> yeah, what are you talking oh, about, Red? And that's that explains the clone. There we go! Of course. <laughs> I was so scared that this wasn't actually the thing and I was just being a fucking crackpot, but it's okay. As you all realize it, you sort of lean in a bit and take a big whiff, and unmistakably the smell of rotting flesh is distinct under this terrible cologne. I, I don't know how illusions work in this universe, but I say, it's an illusion! Do I see, does it change? <laughs> no. no. This is like, as you uh, as you sort of start to inspect the body a bit more, you do realize like the skin is a little gray. He's got makeup all over his face to, to cover the sort of pallid nature of his body and as you look at his eyes too you realize they aren't gray because that's the color they are they're just sort of dead and fading uh what was the butler's name malcolm oh <laughs> cheesy and can i like take up his amulet <laughs> yes inscribed around the amulet is property <laughs> of the murderer <laughs> i don't know what you were looking for <laughs> i just wanted to i just wanted to pick it up okay you, you have one amulet that definitely says that on it now um, as you pick up the amulet, the door slams open, and in file, six Waterdeep guards, flanked by Malcolm the Butler, and, uh, I don't know, what's a, what's a cop name? Colin! Colin, your draw was, co- you Captain read once Colin. a cop name. Captain Colin, Colin. Crunch. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it, no! <laughs> no, that's the actual IP, we're doing not the Captain. <laughs> you can do Captain Chewy. Colin Chewy. <laughs> He is a half-orc, and he comes into the room and says, Detective Redemption, I should have known you'd be here. Malcolm here tells me there's been a moida. Can I, um, wait, of course, it's always the butler. 
I'd like to um, look him dead in the eyes. Uh, I take two strides towards him and my eyes widen and I scream, confess! <laughs> and that is my, I'm going to cast command uh, and my word okay. is confess. Uh, what's the save on that? 15. Uh, and you are 15. doing probably wisdom? Okay, well, whatever it is, he doesn't make it. Hell yeah. So Malcolm just snaps to attention, stares straight forward and says, it was me. I'm a necromancer. I killed Driscoll five days ago, and I've been using his body as a meat puppet. I drew you all in here to find out why he was blackmailing you, so I could start blackmailing you, and I could stop having him as a boss. He's a terrible boss. He doesn't even know my name. My name isn't Malcolm, it's Morris. My name is Morris! (laughs) And he sort of looks around and just goes bollocks and dashes out of the room and we start a sick chase scene <laughs> i assume you all make make chase immediately slamming out into the hallway and pushing into the crowd please tell me there's lots of doors there's so many doors and you run out of one and then come out of another yeah. art and detective redemption bump into each other in the middle of the hallway and then he's chasing you for a second <laughs> then we turn around we're like Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! So as you push out into the main room, you find yourself among the party, which apparently hasn't stopped. Everybody, please make uh, acrobatics or athletics checks. As we run into the room and there's people there, I scream, Stop that butler! And immediately the, like, 50 butlers in the room <laughs> turn to look at you and all go, Huh? Oh, <laughs> 14 for me at 22. Eight. Okay, so you all manage to push your way through the crowd. Art lags behind a little bit. As you all get out the other side of the party, you see Malcolm dashing down the front path and he leaps over the gate in a single bound. Please make an acrobatics check to jump over the fence. That's a seven. 23? 13. Two of you pass, so you manage to scramble over the fence quickly enough. Jane is kind of uh, held back by her armor. As you all get up and look around, you realize you've you've lost him in the crowd out here of, of bustling people. Everybody make a perception check. 10. Got 11. Uh, 16. Art! 16. Uh, Heck yeah. Jane and Redemption, you can't see anything, but Alfred, your finely tuned noble senses immediately pick out the one person wearing a butler outfit <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> and you make chase as he dashes down an alley. You, you round a couple of corners before coming to a dead end where he uh, is trying to climb a pipe but falls back down as you round the corner on him. He turns around and says, I'm not going to jail for this. Driscoll deserved to die. I mean, okay. <laughs> You're still going to jail, Dweebus. He, he holds up a hand and says, wait, please, redemption. I, I, I beg of you. That man was was terrible. He doesn't pay his employees well. He he blackmails half of the city. Waterdeep is better off without him. Just tell them I got away. I promise. I will owe you one in the future, Redemption. And and the the telltale choice comes up where it's like, <laughs> arrest him, let him go. <laughs> the time is ticking down. Honestly, this would have been more of a choice if he hadn't murdered him yet. Then I'd have to be like, oh, do I let someone murder a man? That maybe it would be... Asshole's already dead, baby. Jail time for you, sweetheart. Let's go. Chop, chop. You all surge towards him, Art throwing out some of his fire spells, Jane drawing her two swords and knocking his wand from his hand. And Redemption, you quickly slip behind him and slap a pair of cuffs on him, shoving him to his knees, and he says, No, no, this was the perfect plan. How did it go wrong? You could have just let any one of those assholes kill him. That part is the part that's baffling me. I thought this would be cooler. 
Also, I thought one of them would actually hit him, and you just assume it was that. They all missed, goddammit. Uh, yeah. As Captain Colin Chewy comes Christ. around the corner, the gruff half-orc <laughs> police captain says, Well, Redemption, you've done it again. You're coming with me, and he uh, lifts uh, Morris to his feet and has him taken off by some of his uniformed officers and says, Well, Detective Redemption, it seems Waterdeep City once again owes you a debt of gratitude. He extends his hand to you. I also accept COD payments. He he uh, <laughs>, laughs and shakes your hand and says, "You know that's a legal redemption. I can't pay you." Hell <laughs> <laughs> of darkness, my old friend starts playing. <laughs> and I think we just sort of zoom out of that alley with Captain Colin Chewy <laughs> laughing to the sky as Redemption's shoulders just sank. <laughs> <laughs>